The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning and ministers of the word have handed them down to us, I too have decided, after investigating everything accurately anew, to write it down in an orderly sequence for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may realize the certainty of the teachings you have received. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Some years ago, a mother was telling me that she was looking forward to taking her very young daughter to the zoo. And in particular, she wanted to see the look on her face when she saw a live elephant for the first time. A look of awe and wonder. Remember the first time that you saw a picture of an elephant? Or do you remember the first time you ever saw a live elephant, especially if you were a small child? It is something that strikes you as something of wonder, even of fear. We've gotten used to elephants, haven't we? We're accustomed to them. They don't do much for us any longer. Although I suppose if one were to charge through that door at this moment, we would have a renewed sense of awe and wonder, and perhaps fear as well. Something we've forgotten. I mentioned back in Advent that there is a phrase in the scriptures that stands out above all others and that should strike us when we hear it uh, to become frozen in awe and wonder whenever we hear it. Remember, it was a phrase that we used to say at the end of every Mass, We would genuflect. We still do during the Angelus when we say it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Imagine. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've gotten used to that, though, haven't we? We aren't very moved by it at all. We're accustomed to hearing it. 
I remember also mentioning one Lent. That there was a phrase that always strikes me as being something particularly sad and a little frightening. It's a phrase that all of the evangelists use in the Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's in the Passion Narrative. St. John doesn't have it there, but he has it at the end of the Bread of Life Discourse in chapter 6. It's only a few words that sort of send a tingle up your spine when you hear them. And those are the words referring to Judas as one of the twelve. That's important to them. One of the twelve. That should strike us, too. This man who knew the Lord, this was intimate, walked with him, ate with him, lived with him, heard him, saw his miracles. One of the twelve would betray him. But then again, perhaps we become accustomed to betrayal, too. Doesn't strike us as anything particularly out of the ordinary, even that particular betrayal, the worst of them all. We hear the words over and over again, and not much changes. Today's gospel is very much like that. Our Lord, first of all, St. Luke begins by opening his gospel. Then mentions that our Lord was returned to Galilee, and then to his hometown, to Nazareth, where he was from, where he had grown up. He goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, I remember he's about 30 years old. He's young. And he takes the scroll of the prophet Isaiah that was handed to him. And he reads from it. Now remember, Isaiah lived in the 8th century B.C. The last time we hear from him, it's the year 701. More than seven centuries. And he reads the words that speak of the one who is to come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. This is what they were waiting for, the anointed one, the suffering servant, also in Isaiah. They've been waiting for the fulfillment of this prophecy for over seven centuries. They haven't had a, a prophet in over three centuries. And now this man whom they know, who grew up there, the son of Joseph, as they will call him, the carpenter's son, speaks to them. And all the eyes of the synagogue looked intently at him, and he says, today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Can you imagine what they must have thought that the fulfillment of all of the prophecies is right there in their midst, announcing his presence as the anointed one, as the Messiah, What could they think? We'll find out next week what they did think and how they responded to it. We are accustomed to hearing this gospel. It doesn't strike us as anything very unusual. We aren't overly moved by it. uh, As we aren't overly moved by the word made flesh or the betrayal by one of the twelve. We have lost that sense, haven't we? That sense of awe in our world, that sense of wonder. It's something we need to get back. We think of what God has done. You know, 
I mentioned this that sometimes when you're talking to a high school student, they use words differently today. I've mentioned this particular word before, the word awesome. That's supposed to mean something. Today, it's used for almost anything. If you were to say, for instance, to somebody, um, what are you having for lunch? Well, I'm having a bacon, lettuce, tomato, on white toast, heavy on the mayonnaise. Awesome. No, it isn't. It's only a sandwich. It's not awesome. Awe is reserved for things that truly are a source of awe, truly a source of wonder. We have lost that. It goes beyond that. The infinite humiliation of our Lord on the cross. Does that mean much to us? We've forgotten that too. We've become accustomed to that. And the infinite humiliation of him taking bread and wine and turning it into his body and blood. That God should come to us. Now that is awesome. But we've lost that too. Some people just are bored with it. Some people can actually leave it and not be very concerned about it. It doesn't seem like it's all that important. And so we have to get back that sense of awe into our lives of what God has done and what God is, in fact, doing. That comes, in a sense, only in silence. You know, I remember the first time I entered a Catholic church at about the age of 13. I was with friends. We used holy water. I thought, oh, that's very nice, holy water. Uh, that's a beautiful symbol. And then everybody genuflected. And in those days, it was a Saturday morning, they had adoration. So even during the Mass, you could have the, the Blessed Sacrament exposed in remonstrance on top of the tabernacle. And I said, why are you doing that, genuflecting? And they said, because the Lord is there. Jesus is there in his body and blood. And I said, I mean, you actually believe that? You believe that he is there, that that is Jesus Christ? They said, yes. I thought, oh, now that is a reason for awe and wonder that God has done such a thing. But as I said, we get used to that, don't we? We get used to God coming to earth, to God revealing himself to us. We get used to receiving him. And as I said, the only way to get back that sense of awe is to do it in silence and in prayer, to be present to the Lord, to rethink it, to let him reinvigorate us, fill us with that sense of awe. It's often, I think, difficult because the world militates against it. I want something more and more and more, so I forget the truly good things that are really wonderful. Well, today we are going to, once again, Reflect on that in our own lives. To go back to what we once understood. To allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by the incredible power of God. To once again be able to realize the love of God in the things that we have come to know. Jewelers get used to fine gems. We must never become used to God's love, never become used to his sacrifice, never become accustomed to his body and blood. So we go on now today to hear his voice. We go on to respond to what he has done. We go on to become new people who once again 
can experience awe and wonder and infinite beauty and be transformed by what we have heard and be transformed by what we have seen. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the love of your Son and his redemptive love and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, her members will always respond to what they have seen and heard. We pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they will listen to the prophets who have come to them proclaiming the kingdom of God. We pray to the Lord. For those who are sick and suffering and dying, that they may know that in their suffering they are united to the Lord and also prophets. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have left the faith, we pray to the Lord. Greater respect for human life in this month, in particular for uh, legal protection of the unborn, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations of priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will be visible signs of what God has done, for a greater reverence for the prophetic nature of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that having first been in the presence of the Lord in silence, they may proclaim the wonder of God to their world, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, we will begin to more perfectly appreciate God's love for us, what God has done, and we appreciate his presence among us. We pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Lord as we sing. Mm-hmm. 